Hello, and welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School Podcast, presented from the Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And welcome. We want to say uh, thank you for listening in, and we hope you guys have been enjoying the Sabbath School lessons so far this uh, this quarter. Everything that Paul has been talking about and preaching and stuff, and, and Ephesians has been really, really interesting and really, really good. Um, this lesson coming up is no exception to that. It's actually a little bit more longer in terms of some of the sections, but it's longer for a purpose. And I think the explanation that's uh, explained in it's really, really good. So this week is section eight or chapter eight or lesson eight, depending on who wants to know. And it's titled Christ shaped lives and spirit inspired speech. And this is for August 12th through August 18th. And with that, uh, my name is elder Nick. I'm joined by elder Robert. And we again want to say welcome to to this morning's podcast. This is, uh, like I said, a really good lesson. I'm really looking forward to getting into it. Absolutely. Uh, with that, Robert, would you like to go ahead and uh, open with prayer? Absolutely. If you'll bow your heads with us. Father, as always, we want to give praise and thanks and glorify your name for the way you lead and guide us. And Lord, as we go through this week's lesson about how to outwardly show the work that the Holy Spirit is doing inwardly. Lord, may we be open and receptive. receptive. Lord, we know that this change only comes through the surrender of self, surrendering our will to your will. Lord, we ask that you will continue to woo us and guide us and just lead us. Lord, we ask for your your discernment your wisdom and knowledge as we go through your word this morning. May the Holy Spirit uh, inspire us, and may we walk away with not only a greater knowledge, but a greater yearning to know you closer. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, this week's lesson is Christ-Shaped Lives and Spirit-Inspired Speech. So we're going to go ahead and read the memory text for this week, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, and it reads, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And one thing I've really been enjoying is reading the the introduction for each week, and I'm going to go ahead and read the rest. It says, Jose Antonio lived in the streets of Palma, Spain as a homeless man for years with gray, straggly hair and a beard. Jose looked older than 57 years old. One day, Salva Garcia, the owner of a hair salon, approached Jose and proposed a complete makeover. With Jose in the salon chair, a hardworking team cut, dyed, and styled the tangled bundles of his hair and beard. Next, Jose then got new stylish clothes. Then came the reveal. As Jose sat in front of a mirror, tears came. Is this me? I'm so different. No one is going to recognize me. Later, he would add, it wasn't just a change of looks. It changed my life. In Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, Paul argues that believers have experienced a complete transformation. They have taken off their old selves and have embraced a new identity. Somewhat like Jose's change, though, this is no mere external transformation. It includes being renewed in the spirit of the minds, which is found in Ephesians 4, 23 bringing into the life true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4.24. This is the ultimate makeover. 
Now, I remember watching on TV and stuff, there used to be those makeover shows where they took somebody that was overweight or somebody that um, had messed up teeth or just somebody who was basically a, a diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. And the whole process that they went through, like exercise training, they had uh, plastic surgeons, they had all these people lined up to help turn this one person to somebody completely new. And, you know, a lot of times the people would have uh, emotional, rea- really emotional reactions, especially when their family saw them for the first time after not seeing them for three to four months, because that's honestly one episode took three right. to four months to do. And the journey that these people went through wasn't just about, you know, the external transformation. You know, a lot what they focused on was the internal change as well, you know, because a lot of things they had to do, they had to break bad habits. They had to learn to look at themselves differently. They had to, you know, do all these different things to, to really make over themselves. Now, what's nice is that the way Paul talks in this and the way he talks in Ephesians is basically the same thing. You have to change yourself to become more righteous, to become closer to God and to be more like God. But in order to do that, you have to take off the the self that you are. Right. I don't, uh, when I used to do the, uh, the personal growths in the morning before the Sabbath school lesson, uh, I did one, I talked about, you know, um, if I went and worked all, you know, I work construction, I go work all day, I come home all dusty and sweaty and, you know, everything that you attribute to a construction worker. <laughs> um, and say, you know, we had uh, either a evangelistic meeting or a, a date or something, you know, planned for that evening. Well, if I just go home and change clothes, you know, I can you know, put on a suit, I can put on a dress shirt, I can put on, (laughs) but I'm still dirty. I still smell bad. I still, you know, that transformation isn't, isn't complete. I just tried to, you know, cover up the, the, you know, basically just put a bow on something that, you know, right. Yeah. So, um, you know, you have to allow that, that, that cleansing, and like you were saying, you know, allow that to work from the inside out. Uh, one of the several uh, mental disorders that I was uh, diagnosed with when I was younger yeah. was depression. And when you're <clears throat> depressed, you find it really hard to be confident. You find it really hard to be self-motivating, which are two things that typically I am. You know, I'm usually very confident in myself, and I'm usually a self-starter, you know, go out. But when you f- allow depression to take over you, then you you lose that sense of hope, and you, you kind of get to that, you know, well, what's the point? Why am yeah. I, you know, even trying? You know, I can't fail if I don't start, you know. And you allow that to... to just to continue and continue and continue and you know some of you know we can through willpower break bad habits but the what Paul is talking about here is a complete transformation into something completely different than what you were before 
you know, you and I both like to tinker with engines. You know, if you take, if or not so much anymore, but you, with the old muscle cars, you used to hear, you know, like a 454 conversion or, mm-hmm. you know, where, and that means they stripped this thing all the way down to the engine block and rebuilt it as a completely new engine. Mm-hmm. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to take us all the way down to the basics and recreate us back into the image of his character. And, and you know, just like I said in my prayer, you know, allow the outward to show the, to manifest the work that's being done inward, not for my glory, but to glorify God. Yes. And it, it, what's, what's good about this lesson this week is how it ties into the lesson from last week about the unity of the church, the unity of the body of Christ. And, you know, we, as we're looking at this, you know, there's, there's a reason why there has to be a change in self. There has to be a reason that, you know, in order for you to be part of that unified body of Christ, you have to basically strip who you were once before to become somebody new because you can't be your old self and be part of the body of Christ. So how do you get a spirit-filled church? Exactly. You have to have a, bu- a bunch of spirit-filled individuals. You know, if you have uh, an individual that is not spirit-filled going, oh, I'm trying to find the spirit-filled church, well, that comes from a personal devotion and a personal relationship with Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to change you. You know, you've, we've all heard the, the be the change you want to see in the world. Yes. You know, <laughs> well, if you want a spirit-filled church, allow the Holy Spirit to change you mm-hmm. and become part of what is happening in the church. Yes. You know, the, the church is made up of individuals, which is what Paul was talking about in, you know, the body and then last week about everything, you know, both the parts of the body and the, and the spiritual gifts working together, mm-hmm. you know, that um, as we allow the spirit to fill us and become part of that unified body, guess what? It doesn't take very long to have a spirit-filled church. And when we're looking at the lesson this week, you know, Paul is talking about the Gentiles, you know, in this situation. It's the Gentiles were entering this this uncharted territory in their lives when in, in, when it comes to Christ. And, you know, the Jewish population, you could kind of say, you know, they, they had a, a good understanding of the nature of God, but they didn't have a full understanding of the Messiah. Right. Yeah, of Christ. And here you have the Gentiles, which didn't share the same beliefs, didn't understand the majority of what the Jewish faith was. But here you have Gentiles that were hearing the word of God, that were hearing the word itself coming from Paul, and were being transformed by it. They were changing. The Gentiles at the time were, you know, I guess the best way to say is carnal. You know, it, it's they're of the flesh. They're of the the things of the world because they didn't have this knowledge or relationship with God. But when Paul began to preach to him and began to share this message of salvation, of hope, of 
of a love that God has for all people, not just the Jewish nation. You know, it did spark a lot of change in the hearts of, of these Gentiles to want to convert themselves to believers of Christ, right. which really tells you the power that Christ's words had, you know, that, um, that God who became flesh walked amongst men and his word was so powerful that it changed the hearts of unbelievers. And that is just, that is very powerful. And, you know, for us, we should have that same drive, that same uh, zeal, I guess, when it comes to when we learn the word, that, you know, right. we're, we're wanting to change ourselves because we're inspired by the word, that we're feeling the word in our hearts and our souls, which soul itself is kind of a weird term considering, you know, the actual meaning of what a soul is. Right. But that change that's underneath, that's at like a cellular level, that you want to be a different person. Now, just a little bit of science, um, the human body becomes literally a different person every seven years because that's right. about the lifespan of, of a, a single, cell. Of a cell. So every seven years, you technically are a new person. Right. But you don't have to wait seven years to become a new person. You can, can become a new person today. And that was what Paul was teaching you know, in Ephesians. He was saying... You can change who you are right now. All it takes is putting your faith and trust in God and acknowledging the power of Christ and saying, I recognize Christ as my Savior and that my salvation is through him, that God has presented grace to all, not just one nation, not just one people, but to all. And the transformation that was occurring at that time was was biblical. Right. <laughs> But uh, he was also explaining that, you know, you see this reflection that God gave us into what we want to be, but he's also telling you, you can't do this on your own. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, we've, we've used the analogy of, you know, waking up in the mirror or in the morning and looking in a mirror right away, you know. Yeah. Your hair's disheveled. You got you know, sleep and drool. You know whatever, <laughs> um, and but it takes an outside force. The mirror cannot change you. Yeah, you know, and if you just stand there and do nothing, nothing's going to change. Also, mm -hmm. um, but he's he's telling you that it you know, it's only and this is what you know this lesson on Sunday talks about the dis, uh, downward spiral, but then we also talk about, you know, the, the beginning of the conversion. Yeah. Um, that when you recognize your condition and choose something better, because it com all comes down to choice, mm -hmm. that we have to, because apparently everything we've done has made us what we are. Yes. So if we continue doing we're going to remain what we are. Mm -hmm. So he's saying that you need to just completely put that off and say, here I am, I'm a blank slate. Yes. You draw your image on me. And don't let me touch the pencil. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you are, you are, you're the art 
the artist, you know, just allow me to be the canvas. Yes. And I kind of want to point this out too in, the, in Sunday's lesson is that I'm going to read this paragraph because the last paragraph in the lesson really kind of directs the motivation that Paul had and why he was saying the things he was saying about, you know, needing to change. And it's not just a outwardly change. It had to be something internal that you had to change as well. And it says, Paul's not just concerned about specific behaviors or sins exhibited by the Gentiles. He is concerned about a pattern of behavior that they exhibit. And that's, that's crucial. There's a pattern to it. It's you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. You're not learning from it. Right. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same. the same uh, yep. and, and expecting different results. Yeah, that's me in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but it says a downward trajectory of living in the grip of sin. So he's talking specifically about sin, that these people are living in the same sinful lives. Right. And that, I like that it says it's not about specific sins. You know, and we've talked about this also before, that... We have, we have a tendency to put a hierarchy on sins, but the one that is going to c- completely separate you from God, regardless of how big or little you think it is, is the one you're not willing to give up. Exactly. And we actually talked about that right. this past Wednesday in prayer meeting, because we're in prayer meeting, we're going over the steps to Christ. Right. And in chapter four, it talks about confession. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are two different types of confession. There is, you know, confessing your faults to your brothers and sisters, but there's also that confession to God. And we talked about the fact that God already knows the sins you committed. He already knows every little thing, but we're all very withdrawn in ourselves that we don't want to share it because we feel like, you know, that we're not worthy of forgiveness. Well, there's confession as just admitting your fault. But what God is looking for is confession that leads to repentance. Exactly. A change. Right. And that's what he's calling out here. It says, at the heart of the Ephesians 4, 17 through 19, is a portrait of a calloused spirituality. And that's kind of scary. Calloused. Calloused basically just means the thickening. Hardened. Hardening. It says, and the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. Now, there's a... Different, a bunch of different things that led to this. A lot of it was, you know, the Jewish nation at the time didn't feel that Gentiles were worthy right. of sharing the same God. They weren't worthy of saving. They weren't wor- or worthy of being preached to. And it's so funny that, you know, Christ, his main mission was to preach to the Gentiles, those who had no understanding of God, to learn about God. You know, he could have gone and preached just to the Jewish nation over and over and over again, and but they already had that foundation of understanding who God was. Jesus was saying, telling the whole nation of Israel, this is what you should have been doing since this is what Abraham did. (laughs) You know, Abraham, Abraham proclaimed the gospel everywhere he went, Mm -hmm. you know, and he built an altar everywhere he went and people were converted everywhere he went, Mm -hmm. you know, and Jesus is saying, you know, yes, you're sons of Abraham, but you need to be doing the works that Abraham was yes, doing. Yes, <laughs> And, you know, it's it's an ignorance, but it's an ignorance that's shared on both sides. Correct. You know, one, nobody is seeking this knowledge, but at the same time, nobody's sharing, sharing. the knowledge. And this is what Paul was talking about. He goes, you know, when you start 
developing that relationship with God, that that misunderstanding, that ignorance gets stripped away, and you start wanting to learn more. You start wanting to be more proactive in it. And what we're seeing here is that same thing. Um, and it goes on because the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart, not just the mind, but the heart as well, mm-hmm. they have become callous. And the depraved sexual practice underlined at its end. Now, there was a lot of things happening at that time that, you know, a lot of, it, let's just say Sodom and Gomorrah. I think that kind of, you know, sums up some of the sexual immorality that was going on. Right, but he's also saying that this is an end result, mm-hmm. you know, and look at society now. Yeah, and, the end result. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it continues as it says here, and have given themselves up to sensuality and greediness to practice every kind of impurity. Alienate it from God, they don't know how to live and separate it from his saving grace. They continue in a downward spiral of sin and depravity. Yeah. And as you said here, you know, people understood they were part of Abraham, but they weren't doing the works of Abraham. And that's what we see here. You know, the Gentiles should have been preached to. They should have had the knowledge of God shared with them much, much, much before Christ even arrived. You know, when Christ arrived, it was basically, okay, you guys are at a boiling point right now. I need to step in and kind of redirect well, my just people. Imagine, I mean, the work that Jesus did in his three and a half years of ministry was amazing. But just imagine if Israel had been doing what God placed them, you know, selected them to do from the beginning, Mm -hmm. if they had done that for the thousands of years from Abraham to Christ, imagine how much greater the Messiah's mission would have been, you know, if that had transpired for the thousands of years before. The impact itself. It's like, oh, it's the Messiah, the, the recognition of it. Not just the recognition, but people already aware of what the Messiah was there to do. And, I mean, it would have not just, you know, affected, I mean, Jesus' ministry uh, eventually affected the world, but it would have been much bigger, much sooner if Israel had done what God asked them to do. And it's funny, it's like they call themselves the chosen but they weren't acting on the reason they were chosen. Right. So when we're looking at this, you know, and a lot of this, you know, you already acknowledged there's a bunch of sin that was going on. There was a, a misunderstanding of God or an, uh, not a misunderstanding, but a lack of understanding of God that when Paul was preaching and people were hearing the word of Christ and hearing the gospel and hearing the message that was being portrayed, it had an impact on a lot of people at that time that they looked at themselves <clears throat> they looked at themselves and said you know what i need to change i need to be something different but there were still some that were struggling and i love how it says here in a dramatic change of clothing which is the monday's lesson the very first paragraph it goes having described their former gentile existence which is who they once were paul does not say That is not the way you learned about Christ. Instead, he exclaims, that is not the way you learned Christ. So he's saying what we're seeing here is two different 
ways that the message that Paul was conveying could have been said. The way he said it was not the way you learned Christ, which well, means you've... We talked about this last week also, you know, the difference of knowing who Jesus is and knowing Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing who Jesus is is not going to save you. Yes. It's a personal one-on-one relationship. And it, this is what's really, <laughs> speaking on that, it says, noting that the addressees heard him, Christ, and were taught in him or by him. Paul further advocates the adoption of a Christ-shaped life with the phrase, as the truth is in Jesus. For Paul, coming to faith centers on a personal connection with Christ, one so vivid and real that it may be described as learning Christ. We acknowledge that the risen, exalted Jesus is alive and presented with us. We are shaped by his teachings and example and exercise loyalty to him as our living Lord. We open our lives to his active guidance and direction through spirit and word. And that's exactly what you're talking about there, where, you know, I can read the Bible and, okay, I know who Jesus is, but I don't know Jesus. Right. And this is what Paul is trying to tell the Gentiles here. You know, it's one thing for me to come and preach it to you, to come and tell you what the gospel is, to tell you about Jesus, you know, and explain to you who Jesus is. But it's something completely different when you establish that relationship with Jesus and you start experiencing Jesus in your life. You start experiencing the grace the Lord has for you and you start feeling the Holy Spirit in your life. Well, that paragraph that you just read, what do you notice there at the end with the words spirit and word? They're both capitalized. Mm -hmm. They are both titles. Who is the word? God. Jesus. Jesus. God. You know, uh, uh, so you have the Holy Spirit and Jesus right there. Working together. (laughs) Working together. And, you know, John chapter 1, how many times have we referred to John chapter 1 throughout this lesson? You know, and the word became flesh yep. and dwelt among us. You know, uh, and what we were just talking about before about the this is what makes Jesus the living word, and what makes the Bible the living word is there are a lot of self help books. You know, all these things that you can read. But as I mentioned earlier, it takes the power of creation to change you into a different person. I can change habits, but I cannot change my character. Only God can change my heart and my character. And it that's the living word. And that's a power that the Bible has that no other book has. If you read it with the Holy Spirit's guidance, it will change your life. It will yes. change who you are, period. And continuing on with this, I, I, it talks about, you know, how the imagery of removing clothing, you know, removing your outwardness, it talks about it in a lot of different ways. Um, and, you know, the use of clothing as imagery in here helps a lot of people kind of understand what this lesson really is about. You know, it says to put off or turn away from the old way of life, to experience inner renewal, and to put on the new godlike pattern of life. Just like you were saying about being, you know, working construction. You know, 
you're dirty, your clothes are soiled, you probably stink, you know, mm-hmm. you know, got some BO going on. All right. You know, if you just went home and, like you said, just threw on a new shirt and a new pair of pants. I'm still dirty. You're still dirty. You still And stink. now I have dirty and clean clothes. Exactly. <laughs> so what it's saying here, and we can, and I think this is an easy way of doing it, is who you once were is that dirty self, the soiled self, the one that smells of B.O., the one that, you know, is walking in dusty shoes, the clothes you're wearing are soiled and stained. Exactly. When you are experiencing God and you are truly, you know, in repentance, you are confessing, you are building that relationship, it's as if you're taking those soiled clothes off. You're removing them from your body. And the process of getting closer to the Lord is you're washing away that dirt now. Right. You know, you're in the shower, you're scrubbing, you're getting all that, that grime, that smell, that those that dust and dirt and muck, you're getting it off because you're building that relationship with Christ. Well, and, you know, just like it talks about, you know, the wardrobe here, we don't need to read that last paragraph, um, but I'm going to relate to it. Um, you know, if I say, you know, once again, whether it's a date with my wife or, you know, um, an evangelistic series here at church, you know, if I'm part of that, when I get off work, if I if I go put on a clean suit, I don't have. I may look okay from across the room, but now that suit is dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, when Jesus, you know the the parable of the wedding garment. You know that. That's his righteousness that he's offering to you. And he's, this is a free gift. You can't afford it, so I'm giving it to you. And I'm asking you to keep it clean. Mm-hmm. You know, so you want to be, you want not only want to take off your dirty clothes, but you want to allow yourself to be cleansed before you put it on. Yes. You know, <laughs> and then... Stay where it's clean. I mean, you're not going to go. I'm not going to take my nice clean suit and go to a construction site. <laughs> oh, no, know? no. You're, you've got to do when you're wearing Jesus righteousness, you don't go where it's going to get, get dirty. Stained, yeah. You know, you, you, and that's a lifestyle. You know, he's asking you, you know, okay, now I've given this to you, I've cleansed you. Don't go and do what's going to get it dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, the same with our, the hardening of our hearts. You know, we God can give us that fleshy heart that he promised us. But guess what? If we continue doing what hardened the first heart, that new fleshy heart is going to become hard and calloused yes. eventually also, which is what we're, uh, was just being talked about there in the Sunday lesson. And, you know, it, so now we understand some of the, the context of what Paul is saying when it comes to, you know, changing, changing clothing, you know, changing who you are. And it, it's one of those things when, when you're dusty and dirty, as we remember in the very opening of this, you know, we had the homeless man. Right. You know, that's all of us before we build that relationship with Christ. The way he looked after and how he said, you know, I am... I'm a different person now. Right. That's what we want to attain as we build our relationships with Christ. Because when we do have that relationship, we start building it 
we're going to become different people. All those shows like that you were addressing, you know, some of those people before there was an intervention, they did not see, you know, the potential in themselves. Mm -hmm. And some people took that change that was given them and continued with that. And other people fell right back into their old ways, you know, and that, that shows the difference of, you know, does this change who I am Mm -hmm. or does it just change what I look like for a short period of time? Yes. Yes. And, there's another aspect to this whole process too. It's not just, you know, the changing of your appearance and changing of, you know, who you're inside. It's also how you outwardly address the world too. Well, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's what we're getting into on Tuesday's lesson about, you know, not only do you look different, but remember when Jesus was on trial mm-hmm. and that maidservant came to Peter and said, you know, I know you're with G- you're one of Jesus' disciples by the way you talk. And what did he do? He started cursing like he did before he met Jesus when he was a fisherman. Yep. You know, it, people should recognize by your mannerism and your words that you have a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't have to tell somebody I'm a Christian. They should recognize Yes. The, that Christ is living in me. And um, we all have our short, you know, our shortcomings. You know, I, I struggle just as much as anybody else, you know, at, at times. And I, you know, I, but I, re- and I recognize that in myself. And I'm, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm stuck in that Roman 7 guy trying to get to the Romans 8, you know, that, I recognize all this, but I'm still, you know, just like Jesus yeah. told Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit is saying, this is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem. And me sitting there going, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm in the same situation. Like, for me, I I struggle with dealing with anger. So do I think a lot of us do. And it's, you know, it, it, it's. Going through it and, you know, wanting to not be angry is one of the hardest things to struggle with. It's like, because the littlest thing can set somebody off. Right. And, you know, trying to get past that little thing, it's, it can be tough. I've had to, and I'm, I struggle with, with it as well. And also, um, as is being talked about here on Tuesday, the words that you say, because words can either uplift or cut very deeply. Yes. Um, but it's, there's going to be things that upset us. And I don't always think that it's not being upset, but how do you choose to deal with the, f- with the fact that you are upset? Uh, I mean, Jesus had the same emotions, the same struggles mm-hmm. that I, I do, but there's things injustice and, uh, defacing the character of God, things that upset Jesus, mm-hmm. and he reacted, you know, upset. But it was a, it is it was r- righteous. It was what he was reacting to was 
an a direct affront on God, both the injustice and the attacks on the plan of salvation and the pa- yes. plan, you know when he cleansed the temple, the Jews would not take money changing in the inner court. Of, it was on the outer court of the temple. What was being what he was attacking was originally the sinner was supposed to bring a lamb and allow the 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 priest to lay his or the sinner was to lay his hands and symbolically transfer his guilt onto the lamb mm-hmm. and then sometimes the priest and sometimes the sinner depending on the type of sacrifice was to take the life of the, the offering yeah. what was happening was the priest had owned all most of the sheep and if a sinner brought their own it, it wasn't good enough for whatever reason you have to buy our sheep yeah you know and then it was just a transfer of money yes and there was no transfer of you know the symbolic transfer of guilt so it was it, it had completely lost its importance of you know the transfer of the guilt the taking of the innocent life you know all of that that was supposed to bring a hatred of sin had been done away with so it was an attack on you know, the character of God and an attack on the gospel mm-hmm. is why Jesus cleansed the temple. And so those types of things upsets God. It upsets, you know, people. And the more righteous we become, the when we see something defaming the character of God, it should upset us. Yeah. But it's how we react to that. Inju- injustice in society is always, you know, I went into law enforcement. We went into the military because justice holds a place in our heart, you know, uh, and it's that is not ungodly yeah. to to when you see injustice for it to affect you, but it's what you choose to do with that emotion and how you choose to yes. react. And the first part of this lesson, you know, it, it, it talks about specifically about lying, you know, you know, holding back the truth. And this can also be interpreted in a way when you pray and you confess, you know, are you holding back the truth? Right. Are you, or are you only giving half truths? And here. You can't hide it from God. He already knows. Confession exactly. is for our benefit. Yeah. <laughs> so right here, you know, and it's so funny because, you know, I, I think this applies to pretty much every church, this first part. And it says, you know, Paul repeatedly uses an interesting structure in Ephesians, which is illustrated in Ephesians, a negative command, putting away lying, a positive command. Next, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. So he's basically saying, don't lie, but tell the truth. And then a rationale, for we are members of one another, which seems to mean because we are members of one body, so relates one another as parts of that one body. So it's basically saying, don't lie, but speak the truth, but speak the truth as you would to someone you care for. Well, I think the the bottom line of what he's getting to is that if you put away something, there's a void. And if it's not filled with, and Jesus said the same thing, you know, if you cast out an evil spirit, but you don't fill it with the Holy Spirit, you've made room f- for seven more, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, yes, put this off, but allow God 
to fill it with what should be there. And I, I like how it goes. Paul's exhortation to speak truth is not an invitation to confront other church members with a tactless rec- right. recitation of facts. Basically, just don't don't think you're doing good because you're speaking the truth, but in doing it in such a way saying, Robert, you know, I just want to let you know that uh, I don't like your tie because I think it's tacky, but I also think it's a front to God, and I think you should stop wearing it. It's not saying do that. It's saying, hey, Robert, you know, I don't think your appearance is appropriate for where we're at and what we're doing. You know, it's it's attacked. It's not just directly attacking you and saying, what you're doing is absolutely wrong. You need to stop doing it. Right. Which honestly does tend to happen a lot in the church. It does. And that is where we are all wrong. It's We should not be attacking somebody to attack them because we think we're right. We should be going to them and speaking the truth because we want to share and guide and lead properly. Right. It's from a loving aspect. It's not, I'm better than you or I know more than you right. kind of mentality. It's, hey, I think something's wrong. Let me just share with you what I think is wrong. And if I'm wrong, okay, so be it. But, you know, I want to share it with you because I'm doing this out of love because I care about you. Exactly. Everything should uplift Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said, if I, if, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And it's happened here in this church where somebody has pointed out something that probably needed to be pointed out, but because of the mannerism and the attitude behind which it was done, people have left the church. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, especially young people. Yes. You know, when, for, especially with teenagers and 20-something, you know, young adults, uh, we should praise God with the fact that they're here, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, the fact that they're wearing jeans and a T-shirt, maybe we'll deal with that later, you know. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's the best jeans and T-shirts they own, you know. So you don't let God work on them, and occasionally they need a little bit of prompting. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there are things that are inappropriate to, to wear in church. But take the fact that they're here as a blessing. Yes. And don't drive them away. Let's, let's. Don't pound them with, you know, with the negative aspect of things. Exactly. You know, encourage and enlighten it and, you know. But also support. show by example. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't even need to say anything. You know, I've noticed some people that recently started started coming to the church, recently coming to this church, over just a couple months, the way they dress when they come to church has yeah. changed. You know, and it's not because anybody made them feel uncomfortable about what they're wearing. It's, it's as the work, and that's what this whole lesson's about, as mm-hmm. it's, as the inside is changing, the outside should change also, <laughs> is what Paul is saying. You know, people should start to recognize outwardly the work that the Holy Spirit is doing inside. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of the Holy Spirit, you know, that goes directly into what Wednesday's talking about, is you cannot do anything in the name of God without the Holy Spirit present. You know, you, it's impossible. You, you can't sit there and, you know, 
and say that you're doing God's work if you don't have the Holy Spirit guiding you and helping you to do God's work. You know, it's it's two parts. You know, one, you have to be somebody who invites the Holy Spirit in. Mm-hmm. And two, you have to let the Holy Spirit do the work within you. You know, you can't force it. You can't, you know, ignore it. You can try your best to say what you're doing is, you know, what God wants without the Holy Spirit, and you might get away with it for like a week, two weeks, for a little bit, but eventually people are going to notice that what you're doing is not in the in the name of God. You're doing it in the name of yourself. In Isaiah, you know, my righteousness is, is for your own righteousness is as filthy rags, you know, but when you do allow the Holy Spirit to work, it's not your righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's Christ, Christ's righteousness being manifested through you. And that makes all the difference. Oh, yeah. And it's it's something we always talk about, you know, before we make any big decisions, especially as elders, you know, what do we do? We pray. We pray. It. You know, we invite the Holy Spirit to help guide us because we've had discussions that have gotten, you know, really, I, I don't want to say heated, but opinionated. Right. And we talked about this last week also. And it's perfectly fine that we all have different points of view. The only thing is, we're not guided by our own self-interests. Right. We are guided by the Holy Spirit who is directing us to finding the truth and bringing out what is the best in all of us. Right. And that would lead us to the best choice that we can make. And sometimes you have, um, I don't know, this may sound wrong, but I don't know how else to phrase it. <laughs> but um, with experience, especially as in the, the role of an elder, you might have somebody that has been an elder for a long time, you know, experience, that has experienced things that somebody that is relatively new to being an elder has not. And... It's it. We should all be growing. Mm-hmm. This person shouldn't badger the other one. And sometimes the questions that the newer elder is bringing up might be something that the older elder hasn't considered. Yeah, you know, and so I um, and once again, I think this church is blessed with the group of elders that we have. And we have varying degrees of experience, different areas of knowledge, but just like we mentioned last week, when these idea, you know, different opinions come up, eventually everybody we're all able to come together. Yes. Because just like we mentioned last week, Ego and opinion goes away, and let's, okay, God, this is the situation. You show us how to move forward. But those opinions also can help everybody grow more. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't, uh, I don't think I never take anything lightly, especially you know when we meet as as elders. Anything that's said. Um, and when the, a lot of the times when I'm so quiet, 
I'm listening to everything that's being said. And for the most part, I try to choose my words very carefully, you know, on what impact. And I also don't want anything I said to be misunderstood. I try to think of every different angle that what I'm going to be said can be interpreted. Mm -hmm. And I try to choose the words that can only be interpreted to what I intend to, the message I intend to uh, prevent, you know, to get across. And, you know, I'm imperfect just as much as anybody else. But everything that I do, especially within the church, I always want to point to Christ. I always want to glorify God. Yes. And I think that's something that's quite, you know, is one of the the bigger things, I think, why our church specifically has been able to move in such a way that it has is the fact that, you know, we can all have different opinions, but we're able to take those opinions and those views and through prayer and through the invitation of the Holy Spirit into our discussions that we're able to find a path forward. Right. You know, that surprisingly, you know, we all agree on because <laughs> right. that's very hard to get multiple people to agree on on anything, you know. And there's, there's been times that, you know, I've had my own personal opinion of something based on what I've read or what I understand. Right. That may not be right. Right. But what's what's nice about our our discussions, though, as elders, and I've been in discussions with people before where they will belittle you because you don't understand fully, that you don't know what you're talking about. Right. But we don't seem to have that same issue. We, it's more of, hey, I see where you're going with that. I, I see your point of view. Have you looked at it this way? Right. But sometimes, and I'm I'm not going to, but you brought yourself. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Come but, on, bring it. <laughs> uh, but you and I are good friends, you know, along aside from we're both elders working together, but we've also been friends longer than we've both been elders. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, we have different views on many different things. But also... When you bring up uh, a question or a concern or an idea, you know, the other elders need to also consider that the Holy Spirit is prompting you also to bring up a consideration that maybe we have our blinders on to. Yeah. You know, which unfortunately with experience, you know, you kind of get stuck in your tunnel in vision, your ways basically. and you do get tunnel vision and it takes somebody from the outside to say hey you know and whether whether it's right or wrong it still needs to be brought into to consideration and um you've always been very open if there was a conflict in saying this is incorrect, but this is the reason why. Not just saying, you know, somebody's slamming your your question mm-hmm. or your concern, but saying, you know, this is specifically why, you know. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we, you, you and I have not just in the elders meetings, but have personally had discussions where, you know, something was brought up where you know it's like, well, this is why. Yeah. And it's whether it's, you know, um, in Scripture or, you know, the Spirit of Prophecy, just like I said last week. Scripture, Spirit of Prophecy, Church Manual. Those are the orders that I try to get all my 
answers. And they should all align. Yeah. If there's a, a reason one doesn't align with the other, then there's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know. And it it seems like our conversation keeps leading right into the very next subject. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, the Thursday's lesson, the final lesson, it's talking about kindness, not bitterness. Right. But this is referring to the, the talk about Christ's second coming. Um, more focused on that one versus, you know, the other aspects of it. But I, I've personally seen and heard, and you see him street preachers, right? They're all yelling at people, you're going to hell, you're... you're I was raised Southern Baptist. Yeah, you know, Roman Catholic, so you know, there, it was it was very... Hellfire you know. and Brimstone was... You know, oh, that, that's... But yeah. it, it, it's <laughs> scaring people to accept the gospel mm-hmm. instead of loving people to accept the gospel. Yeah. And it's... It's completely two different avenues and they don't lead to the same place. Exactly. God does not want us to accept out of fear. He wants us to accept out of love. Mm-hmm. If you're already in fear, you're you already have a wrong image of who God is. Yes. And it, here what it's it's bringing up too is, you know, a lot of people want to know that they're friends and family are being saved, that they're going to make it through, you know, the second coming. But it's, again, as we mentioned before, you know, the way you appear to others, are you Christ-like? That's going to have a change on people. Mm -hmm. How you speak to others, and are you being truthful, but being truthful from a loving aspect? Are you understanding and inviting the Holy Spirit into your life, you know, to help you, tell the truth in a loving manner to understand scripture in a better way to be able to share the message of God in a way that you know affects others positively not negatively you know here we have this and I have seen so many times that the second coming in Christ is used in a negative aspect it's more of a damnation a condemnation of others right and it's not utilized in a way that it's meant to be yet you need to understand that there is going to have to be a choice made. Either you are with Christ or you are not. Simple as that. It but is. Him, but let with him that is without sin cast the first stone. Exactly. You right. know, it's not <laughs> our place to condemn or judge or you know confront others and say you are going to hell. It's not our place. There, um, we have to understand the. Um, in Jude, where, you know, it says, you know, some need to be wooed out mm-hmm. and some need to be plucked out of the fire, hating even the garment that's spotted. Yeah. But it takes th- the work of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts to know that and know how to do it in a manner that draws people in, not pushes people away. Yes. And we have to be very careful, and this has been discussed in our in our elder meetings also, that the way we address an issue mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed is very important. Yeah. So I know we're getting close on time and I, uh, <laughs> I just want to say, you know, you know, this has been a really good lesson and a really good discussion. And we're seeing a pattern here. We're seeing an understanding of what it means to be a Christian, according to what Paul is saying in the gospel and how to be more Christ-like. Right. And I'm looking forward to next week's lesson too. Next week's lesson is going to be lesson nine living wisely and that's going to be complicated for me because sometimes i don't live that wisely but 
James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, and I always raise my hand, <laughs> that's this guy. <laughs> but um, with that, uh, I'm going to go ahead and close up the prayer, and then uh, we want to invite you guys again to our next week's uh, Sabbath School lesson, and we hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, but with that, let's go ahead and lower our heads and say a quick prayer. Lord, we thank you for being here today, and I honestly truly felt your Holy Spirit in this room with us as we went over this pot, this lesson because I feel that this lesson has so much beautiful impact and so much beautiful instruction that we all need to adapt this, not just those that are Gentiles in this world, but also those of us who claim to be part of the unified body of Christ, that we exhibit these same characteristics that you want in us so that we can see others adopt those same characteristics. Lord, I ask you to be with us as we go through this day and that you be with our listeners and give them the blessings that they truly need in their lives and to listen to their prayers and to be with them. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website, threeangelssda.org slash podcast. That's the number three, angelssda.org slash podcast, and use the comments section. There, you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Just search for ABQ Three Angels Podcast. Mm-hmm.